0: Hey, Tyler.
1: Hey, Jay. How are you doing?
0: Oh, I'm just lovely, man. How's just the lovely.
1: quarantining going for you?
0: Uh, I mean, you know, we're still here. Socially still distant?
1: Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, I got yeah. real sick a couple weeks ago, and it made me scared. You
0: did. But, yeah. I was yeah. scared on your behalf.
1: Yeah, I can't. I think I said something about it. It was the week that the podcast came out, like four days late. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I don't get sick very often, and I got... The flu, what turned out to just be the flu, but it was a real bad flu, and I uh, pride myself on not throwing up very much. I really don't like throwing up, and I do everything I can to not throw up, within reason. Uh, Yeah. But I also think I have a hearty stomach, because I went 18 years without throwing up. That is quite the record. I know. I went from high school until 18 years after that, which would, what, be 36, I think? Yeah. And then, yeah, so then I hadn't thrown up since then. Uh, So it was then four years from that time of throwing up to this past, like, just a couple of weeks ago when I got the flu. And it started by me getting real dizzy, which was super weird. Like, I'd stand up and I would feel drunk. Uh, yeah. And then I threw up not because I was dizzy. I threw up because I was throwing up. Like, I, th- I was laying down for a while and then had to get up to go throw. Um, so that was it. And it happened right, like, within the first, like, two weeks of social distancing. And so yeah. I thought, maybe this is... This is it.
0: Did you like, did you like quarantine at home? Like, did you space it out? I
1: went, I went to the basement and I stayed in the basement for 48 hours, kind of just by myself and was just super dizzy. I only, I threw up three times in the course of like probably six hours. And then the rest of it was just being incredibly dizzy. Like I couldn't move my head around without being dizzy, which is also another weird thing. That has never happened to me before. So it was very, very weird. Um, And then my equilibrium just kind of got better by the end of the week and even now it's still a little off but I'm my stomach's fine like I'm fine I'm not sick and I did actually talk to a doctor and and the doctor was like yeah none of that is coronavirus so
0: yeah. coronavirus yeah. is respiratory and yeah. puke and I, puke it was respiratory, it.
1: respiratory and fever and all that and I didn't have a fever I didn't have anything else and she's like yeah you're fine that was just that was a, a nasty flu and uh it's just a weird time to get it yeah but it did make me nervous for uh, wh- what happens if uh if uh, someone in, in our family gets sick or or if I get sick. Like, what if this is the case? And, and not just thinking, because I thought, oh, I've gotten the coronavirus, but I've gotten over it because I'm out of the demographic that is at high risk for it. But right, uh, it turns out it was just a bad flu and I'm a big baby. So <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, man.
0: I, yeah. The man them. cold is a real thing and I am <laughs> a chief sufferer of it. Uh, nothing will lay me out quite like a good solid man cold.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, so I, I have a good question for, for right now. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I mean, we're in the middle, the midst of social distancing. We Mm -hmm. are stuck more or less in our homes, choosing to be in our homes. So with that in mind, where is, so, and, and basically our, being stuck in our homes right now is like when you're a kid and you're sent to your room yes like it's not really that big of a punishment because all my stuff is there like all all my all the stuff i like (laughs) like yeah it's a drag but everything i want is in this room anyway so like it'd be more of a punishment if my parents had sent me to their room like nothing i want is in there hey that's Uh, a good idea yeah yeah uh to but going to my room is just like yeah i'm just gonna take a nap and read my books and do whatever i need um and that's what kind of being stuck at home is like that, where it's like I, it's a drag to not be around people, but everything I I like is here. So, uh, and all the people I like are here too. So it's not that bad. Uh, but with that in mind, where in life, especially in the situation when we return back to the normal situation, where is the worst place to be stuck?
0: Oh man, I so I I had this uh, about a couple weeks ago before quarantining start um the power company was coming to work at westminster at our church Um, so like throughout the day it would just blip on and off for a little while and some of the offs were a little longer than others Uh, but then i not thinking uh went to go downstairs and hopped in the elevator and i was like halfway down and the power blipped (laughs) and i went oh no like (laughs) and i that's it because there's nothing there's absolutely nothing there. You're, you're, you've yeah. got maybe you've got your phone in your pocket.
1: Did you have your phone in your pocket?
0: I don't remember. I How know. How long I,
1: were you stuck in there? It Did was not
0: up? long. It was like a minute. Okay. That the power long was enough off. to consider. Yeah, <laughs> I felt pretty good because the reason I was using the elevator and not the stairs was because uh, our men's group has coffee every morning, so I had a cart full of coffee. Ooh, yeah. Next to me, so like my first thought, true to form, was ah, I'll be okay. I'll just drink got, all this coffee. <laughs> I got a whole pot of coffee right next to me. I'll be fine. I'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> this is good for a couple uh, hours. Yeah. But I think an of, elevator, my claustrophobia is not huge. I'm not super claustrophobic, but it's there. And it an elevator might do me in.
1: Yeah. I think I have re- reverse claustrophobia, which is agoraphobia, which is not what I have. I don't have the fear of outside, but I really like being in smaller spaces. Like Yeah. It feels like sometimes, uh, like, snuggling up with, like, covering up completely with blankets and, like, forming my own, like, little pocket. It feels really good. Mm. Uh, I used to like to make forts a lot when I was a little kid. So, yes. Uh, like, forts out of the couch, cushions, and stuff. And I that felt I'm, I'm a big fan of smaller spaces. But being trapped in a small space where you can't move around, yeah. uh, that's that's not great. Um, one of the real world places that was actually terrible to be stuck in was JFK International Airport. Oh, yeah. I, I was stuck there for. How long was it? Ten hours. Yeah, it was. I had a flight that was supposed to leave 15 minutes after I landed, and it was coming back from Israel, Palestine. So I had been away oh. from my house for like 15 days, and then flew back in. Was supposed to make this connection in JFK. Uh, the everything got canceled because of some weird thing where they didn't have. There was like one plane that was late. And then they didn't have... It was a weird time of day that they couldn't... The crews had to change over. Yeah. And they, they were, like, at the end of their time, which is fair to the crews. Like, it was... I was never mad at people in this. I was, it was just right. kind of, like, a Situation. Yeah. But I... And I had also, like, mentally tried to prepare myself for the, the jet lag. So I had not slept. Mm-hmm. So that I could... And I was going to get home, like, right at, like, 8 o'clock. Like, p.m. And so I would be able to like stay up the entire time. And then as soon as I get home, I'll go to sleep. And that'll pretty much kill most of the jet lag in one shot. Because it's like, it's like a seven, eight hour difference, something like that. Yeah. Uh, like enough that it's a really, it's almost a, almost a, a full like chunk of day that you're off. And so I ended up staying up the whole time. And my flight that was supposed to leave JFK at five o'clock or four o'clock left at 12 o'clock. I left at midnight. It was supposed to leave at four, which would get me in at seven. And so I got into Pittsburgh at three in the morning. So I had to have my friend come get me because Adrian couldn't come get me because she had the kids, which was great. So my friend was awesome for coming to get me, but I was just like, it was the worst. It was worse than had I slept on any of the planes. Yeah. Because now I haven't slept and I have been in this weird twilight for the last like three hours in JFK, but I can't fall asleep because they have not announced where The plane is coming. It's constantly changing. I've had to move to, like, five different gates. It was really... So it was this crazy thing where it's like, I should have slept on my flight from Russia (laughs) to here, (laughs) but I didn't because I was trying to catch something. Now I can't fall asleep because if I fall asleep for a second, I'm going to miss this flight and be stuck in JFK. There's also the terminal I'm in. There's nowhere to go. The terminals at JFK are actually really far apart, so you can't go from place to place. The one that I was in, there was nothing to eat. Like, it was really... um, it was the perfect first world problem, but just as a general like situation, it was not great to be stuck yeah, in there. That's not where you want to be. Yeah. Another hard thing is being when you're on a mission trip and you're stuck in a car full of sleeping people. Yes. And uh, like, and you're driving. like that uh, when, you, when you're driving late and everybody's asleep, That's that's bad news.
0: Every retreat, the Sunday we come home, I will be driving the van full of kids and they all pass out. And I look in the mirror and think... How come I can't? Yeah. How come on! How come I can't sleep? You
1: all. But I, I sleep. would always put one of two rules on that: is that, and it was usually the former. But I, I would usually say, if you're sitting in the in the shotgun seat, you you're have awake. to stay awake. Yeah, you're, that's that is the responsibility of the person in the shotgun seat. Is you are not allowed to sleep, uh, because the the worst thing it, it's better to have an empty seat beside you than to have a sleeping person beside you when you're yeah. tired and you're driving. The other thing was that uh, I know you all are sleeping, but I'm still gonna play my music. <laughs> like, I'm, yes. still, I'm gonna play the radio as loud as I need to because I'm the one that's keeping us safe by doing this. So, yeah, um, that's and it was a little usually a little bit of both because sometimes you get someone in the passenger seat who's like, I would just like you to not talk to me right now because that <laughs> is less distracting than whatever it is yeah. you're saying. Uh, so that wasn't yeah. stuck, but that was always one of those situations where, when everybody in the car is sleeping and you can't that's it's it's less sleepy for me when i'm driving in the car by myself than it yep. is to be driving in a car with everyone sleeping
0: i agree well i'm jay
1: and i'm tyler and we and hope this, you're not stuck where you are yeah right but uh, but this is roughly faster Alright, so, one of the things, as we were thinking of topics for today, um, I was thinking that uh, something that we've talked about a little bit, we haven't talked much about, is this beautiful hipster thing that has gone into, uh, that is, the resurgence uh, has happened recently in the realm of vinyl records. Yes. Vinyl records are lovely. Uh, Jay, how, you have a record player, yeah?
0: Yeah, so, uh, a part of the genesis of this conversation right when quarantine started uh i had the wisdom to uh come down here in my basement we have i have a little office down here Mm -hmm. um but it had over the years turned into just the room you throw everything when you don't have anywhere else to throw it and it was no Mm -hmm. longer an office so like i think truly on day two of quarantine sarah gave me an afternoon i came down here and just went crazy and cleaned the whole thing out including my bookshelf over there uh with my record player and my Oh nice a collection of vinyl that is both original, like old really old records, uh yeah. gifted to me down the generation, and some new stuff, uh that that's over there too. So like, I have what, started my say, days.
1: So your record player is downstairs. Yes. Okay. What would you say is the ballpark size of your record collection? Um how many how many titles you got? Ordered? Hard
0: to say. I th- I, it's going to be north of fifty. Okay. Uh, it's not a huge collection by any stretch of the imagination. No. Uh, well, yeah. Well, that's the. the 50, I would 70. say the
1: number. Yeah, the number in your collection is not as important as the 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 makeup of your collection. Yes. Um.
0: Hundred percent. Because
1: I, I mean, case in point, I have probably <laughs> over the so I had a stack of maybe twenty records that had been left out that i had like and maybe even less than that, maybe like 10 that i had like held on to from when i was a kid and didn't have a record player um our whole married life and we've been married since 2002 so yeah uh 18 years now and yet these records kind of went from place to place and it was a handful and they were all like kids records my dad had a big record collection uh when i was a kid um, But, uh, and we had a bunch of other kids records and stuff that we have just kind of disappeared over the moves. Um, When I was a kid, we moved a lot and every time we kind of lost a bunch of stuff or just got rid of a bunch of stuff. So most of the records didn't, all that I was able to hold on to that was mine were like, again, probably 10 records. They were either kids records or or like comedy records, but nothing, no rock music or no, no classic records or things like that. Uh, and then Adrian got me a record player for my birthday, probably three or four years ago. And it was great. And then in the court, in the time since then, I have just spent time in the dollar band at record stores and at Goodwill and stuff like that, finding stuff. And sometimes you find gold and sometimes you just get something cause it's 50 cents and yep. it'd be like, maybe this will be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have a record collection, I mean, over the course over the course of four years. And also sometimes I'll just get like piles of records from pe- like my neighbor or something like that. Um, I probably have 300 records. And of those 300 records, probably 80 of them are good. Yeah. The, so like, and a lot of them are just kind of like, like not worth getting rid of, but not, and they're not garbage, but they're nothing that's like, oh man, you have that? Like it's a lot of compilations of Christmas things or like classical records or things, things that are not bad, but nothing that's in the heavy rotation. So I have a very big record collection, but not one that is incredibly impressive in terms of uh, real quality stuff. Now I do have probably 30 records that are just like stone cold killers. Yes. Uh, but well, that's what led us to, well, first don't let me really get the rotation as much.
0: Let me just show you cause I'm proud of it. No one else can see it, but my listening corner Oh, yeah. It's so clutch over there.
1: You've got a comfy chair. Comfy chair, a comfy, uh, yeah. throw
0: pillow, lots of books, and the records. So, like, oh, yeah. my my quarantine habit has been when I have a little bit of free time during, like, work day. Is Was that the Dave there.
1: Matthews or the Dave uh, Dave Crowder church music? It you is. You got that on vinyl.
0: I got that on vinyl. Wow. Uh, that's an autographed that's a good copy, record. too. That's uh, a good record. Yeah. So, so we thought that given that we have some Stone Cold Killers in our uh, record bins that we would do a top five not top five as i understand it let me try and make sure i got it clear yeah not the top five records of all time
1: these are the top
0: five records in our collections
1: yes that we actually own right yeah so i will do that plus because i went a little bit different and that i did the top records that get the most play yes on our record player those Which are, are not, thoughts. certainly not the best records that I have <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. our record player is in our family room. And so it gets a lot of like, what does everybody want to hear right now? Yeah. And so there's some records. I have a bunch of Prince records that don't, don't get in the rotation very much because you can't trust a Prince record for more than two, three songs before it gets really, really sexual Yeah, and not, <laughs> not not appropriate for not safe for work.
0: Yeah. I, I did have one bonus uh, honorable mention because I had a hard time whittling it down to five. Uh, so I have a sixth, a sixth hiding in here.
1: Okay. Well, I have a list that you can see right here that is oh, my gosh, 30 different that's, things. So I need, to, I need to pull from that. Oh, man. So having vinyl records right now is in some ways completely pointless. Yeah. Every record that we have, I have on Spotify. I have access to in ways that are far easier. Uh, even my record player is hooked up to a speaker, like a speaker bar, that is also has a Bluetooth on it. So yep. sometimes I will just Bluetooth into it and put the exact, like put uh, some, sometimes I put stuff that I have on record just on my phone. Cause then I don't have to stand up for it. Um, but there is something very specific about a record that is very different. And I think I said this on the podcast before, uh, but I was listening at one point, I think it was Tom Hanks who had said this in an interview was talking about listening to records is like having a fire in the fireplace. Yes. Where in a lot of ways it's a little superfluous. Like it's usually if you have a fire in a fireplace, it's not really because you need it. Like usually you have heating outside of that, unless you have a wood burning stove in your house that warms your house. So the fire is kind of relaxing and just a neat thing to have. And a lot of times the fire will be in a place where you don't necessarily have a TV on or something like that. Like you're just sitting around the fire talking and every once in a while you have to get up and throw another log on the fire or kind of shift things around. And having a record on is great because you can't curate what it's doing. Right. You just have to let it play. And then after a while you have to stand up, flip the record or switch the record or something like that. You have to tend to the record. And so the act of listening to a record is very different than just simply listening to music. And Absolutely it, that, that may sound incredibly pretentious and I mean it in the least pretentious way because I'm not one of those people who's like, well, it sounds better on record. Not really. No. Not unless no, it you have doesn't. an unscratched record. Uh, and the difference in sound, the audiophile difference in sound is not something that I notice with right. my ears. So for me to make that claim is is stupid.
0: No, that's, it's, the reason I have a record player is because one day I was coming in uh, from mowing the lawn and I said to Sarah, as a musician, it bothers me that music is background noise to everything else right now. Yep. yep. Um, I want something that's going to force me to sit down And do nothing else but listen to music Uh, and maybe read or whatever, like in in a comfy reading chair. But like that fireplace analogy is really spot on. Like it's, you have to be present to it for it to mean anything at all. Um, Yeah.
1: And for the, yeah, you don't put on a fire and then leave the room. Right. (laughs) Unless unless it's again, unless it's just the general heating for your house
0: or your Bruce. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that, that kind of connection to where it just is something that there's, it's aesthetically pleasing and even if, like, it, I don't often put on a record and sit and just listen to the record. But when I put on a record, it's with somewhat of intention that I'm, and and it's knowing that this record is what we are listening to for the next 20 to 45 minutes, depending yes. on if we listen to both sides. And there's something about that that's, that's pretty nice. And you, you can't skip stuff. Like, we're just, no. we're used to skipping stuff. You can't really.
0: Nope. I mean, you can, but it's it's almost at that point more work. Yeah. Than just listening through.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it, but it's, you really, you have to be intentional and that's dumb. Now, when you when before we get too far, when you got your records that that you inherited, where did you inherit them from?
0: Most of my inherited collection came from my mother-in-law. Okay. They were her old records from when she was a kid in the Um, sixties.
1: That's always that's a good one. I got I got a good a chunk of records from my mother-in-law too, and she yeah. had some really good records, so that's been really nice.
0: But then I found uh, Jerry's Records, which I hope is still open. I don't remember. I haven't been in a long time. Yeah. Because, um, again, my, my record player has been buried under all our household garbage until about four weeks ago. Um, but Jerry's was a cool place because, again, you know, like Spotify is great in that if you tell me about a band that you really like, I can go look them up but I don't often browse Spotify in the way that you browse a record store. Um, So like you can go to a place like Jerry's and go to the rock section and just kind of scroll through and maybe you'll find something you've always loved. And maybe you'll find something you've never seen before that just looks intriguing. Yeah. Um, Those are fun. So that's where another like third of my records come from. And then I have bought some new like repressed Vinyl, well,
1: and there's something about the the artwork on vinyl, which we can talk oh, more about later too. That yes, it really lives. I mean, there are so many records that I got just because they have interesting artwork that are not good records. Yeah, uh, but especially uh, uh, when I shop exclusively in dollar bins, then it it sets the threshold. Of the the it's more of just a curiosity. Yep. Then because there's a lot of records that I would love. Uh, part of the reason why I don't go to like big record stores is, is because they know what they have. And yeah. a lot of times they don't have prices on things. And so they'll price based on, they'll size you up and yep. be like, do you really know what you're doing? And if you don't, then they'll give you a good, a high price. And if you know, like the value of something and they're in a sour mood, then they'll like really charge you what it's worth instead of yeah. getting. A deal. And, uh, yeah. And so there's a lot of records that I would love to have that I don't have because I don't want to pay more than $5 or at some point, like I paid, I paid thirty bucks for a record for a brand new record, but most of the time I'm shooting for under ten, and yeah. usually I'm shooting for a dollar.
0: That's a couple of my represses I spent more than I would have wanted to on, yeah, um, yeah, but we'll talk about that. I think each of these records has stories,
1: yeah, behind yeah. them, yeah, okay, so what is your number five record
0: well, let me get let me start with the the honorable mention, uh, okay because th- it was really a tie at five honorable mention uh obviously this is a a new vinyl, uh, but is the postal service their album yeah. give up
1: yeah their only album
0: their only album uh yeah. this is uh ben gibbard and johnny i can never remember his last name unitas and <laughs> <laughs> yes famous football player yep. uh and then jenny lewis from um rilo oh is she Kylie. the one who sings is yeah she
1: uh, i always wondered who that was who sings on uh, never better
0: yeah it's her uh from rilo kiley But that album is incredible. So the story of that album is, the reason they're called the Postal Service is Ben Gibbard, uh, or Johnny Unitas, uh, I should really look up his name, Uh, Johnny would email, or or, uh, before email, send a recording of some track that he'd made to Ben Gibbard. Ben Gibbard would put lyrics uh, and melody over top of it and maybe some guitar and then send it back and they would mail it to each other and that's Mm. how the album came to be. Yeah, I think Uh, we talked
1: about that before. That's it, but that's it. It's great. And I I had remembered that the, I had heard that the, the Postal Service, um, like the actual US Postal Service first said, you can't use that name. And then they explained to them, well, here's why we chose them. They're like, oh, that's great. Actually, you can use it. Just yeah. let us use your music in our, in our commercials. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's a fantastic album from start to finish. And that's part of a good record has to be. It's got to work from beginning to end. Oh, and yeah. have a good split from side A to side B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's that always f-
1: weird when, yeah, because it's it really is, it's two experiences. Yes. Yeah. So I have a lot of older records, again, because I'm shopping dollar bins. And then the records that are given, I've got a bunch of records that were given to me by my mother-in-law, a bunch that were given to me by uh, our neighbors. And a lot of times it's like old records that are that are good records, but are like, oh, like <laughs> you wouldn't go out specifically to buy that record. right? Um, So my... Honorable mention. I'll just put this out because this is in high rotation. I have a bunch of records by KTEL, which is like KTEL was, I think it was either, it might have been a radio station, but it definitely it put out record compilations. So okay. I have a bunch, uh, and it's record compilations from like 1981, the rockin'est rock of rock, rock, rock. It's new, it's
2: wild, it's the beat with a rock of seagulls.
0: Wow, 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 and Kimi-Y
2: at 100 split ends and go-go's. Music for a new age. The
0: beat from KTEL. You can expect the best from KTEL,
1: America's sound leader. Look for these and other great music values in the KTEL display at these and other fine stores. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a, it really, it's like a now that's what I call music. If yeah. you remember the CD era of time, uh, when they would come out with a now that's what I call music volume ten, and it would have like the ten or the fifteen or twenty biggest hits of that right then. And so these KTEL records are that, but like for the eighties and seventies. And so, and they're always in the dollar bin. So I, I have a handful of those that my kids end up really liking, mm. uh, cause it's just a mix of music. So it is a record that it's a mix. That's kind of a cheat. So that's why I'll put it as my honorable mention, but it does get, we have, uh, like it'll have like private eyes by, uh, hollow notes. And then, uh, um, like a Phil Collins song and then uh, a song by the police and then a song by some band you've never heard of. And then a song by another band you've never heard of. And then a Cyndi Lauper song. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's so it's this weird mix of eighties music, but it's a great way to get all these '80s songs that you aren't going to be able to find the records for. Uh, and you don't really need the whole record because it's just the singles and stuff, but it so, I have probably like six or seven of those, and my kids end up really liking them. It's really funny. They'll be like, "Oh, can we put on the high voltage record?" Because they always have awesome. really weird names. And uh, so that's my honorable mention is the KTEL compilations, KTEL music of the late seventies, early eighties. I have a, a bunch of those.
0: Excellent. My number five is kind of a defeat story, in that I looked for an original of this for forever. Uh, like I was intentionally seeking this album out and I think a year or two had gone by and I just never found it at any of the record stores I went to. So I gave up and bought a new one. Uh, I found one on sale at like Barnes and Noble or something like that. Um, so it's a repressing, but it is pink Floyd's dark side of the moon. Oh, dark side of the moon. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I love that album when I was a kid, my dad and I had a cassette of it. Um, And that album is again just from start to finish a no holds barred killer. Um, Especially best song off this, like again to the point of records, you have to sit still and listen to it. Like I almost can't do anything else when this song is on. Um, But us and them is such Mm. a good song uh, that like I have a hard time reading when it's on uh, or, or you know playing on the computer or anything. Like I just need to sit and listen to that track i have never wow well, this is a side tangent but i have never actually seen the dark side of the moon lines up with wizard of oz
1: oh man i was gonna that was gonna ask you that yeah that is really I've, i don't think i've ever listened to the full album of dark side of the moon apart from watching it with wizard of oz i
0: i've seen that youtube somebody lined it up right yeah um that you can get so maybe that so would be my the, homework the
1: whole- the whole idea behind it, and it's weird. It's super weird. Yeah. that Because it it works 85% of the time, which it shouldn't work at all. The whole premise <laughs> is that uh, if you start the record of Dark Side of the Moon, right when the lion – so it, it, the Wizard of Oz movie is an MGM movie, so it's got that lion roaring at the very beginning. Yeah. And when the lion roars the second time, because the lion goes raw, raw, right when he roars the second time, drop the needle on the record and let it play and it will match up with the action that is on the screen in a way that is at first like huh and then it's like wait a minute (laughs) and then it's like what this doesn't make any sense like it so it matches up way too well uh, it's really disturbing uh, <laughs> but again not perfectly so right when you think like they did they're geniuses they've done this perfectly then you realize oh wait this doesn't match up at all and yeah. then, it, then it syncs up again and there's some that say it only works for the, for the f- one playthrough of the record and then there's some that say it'll work through if you play through the record twice because the movie's like an hour and 45 minutes right. an hour and a half and I think the record is 45 minutes so you need to play through it twice to get everything and when you get through the second playthrough it doesn't quite work so, but even the, and this is back from an era when people were conspiracy theorists about everything, like in the most yeah. hilarious way. Conspiracy about dumb things like this, like Paul is dead and stuff like that. Yeah. But the cover art of Dark Side of the Moon is a prism. Yep. And it's, uh, it's like white lights going in and then a rainbow on the other side. And Somewhere it's a triangular right prism. Rainbow. And if you flip it upside down, it's white light going into a tornado and then a rainbow coming out of the other side. And if, and Which is, it takes from the movie that the movie is in black and white until the tornado, and then it's in color. So uh, Jay has just left because he now has to check out the record. So I had to yeah, go so, get the cover. Yeah. So if you flip it... So yeah, you can see it. You flip it upside down. It's the, the white light into the tornado, and then it's color after that. Yeah. Yeah. Now it goes backwards. You have to do it from right to left, but uh, right. it's still... The the prism, the triangular prism forms a cone shape, like a like a, a tornado effect. Huh. Yeah, how about that? So yeah, that's a that's a great record.
0: It uh, is again.
1: Re- I don't. I've never listened to the record on its own, apart from just as uh, listening to the the um, listen to it with Wizard Oz. But it's it's pretty neat. You can, I think you, you used to be able to find it on YouTube. You can find it on the internet somewhere and just see so yeah. someone, probably Vimeo, which is a little looser with the copyright than <laughs> than YouTube, yeah. but you can find it synced up and it's, it's pretty wild. Excellent. So that's my number five. My number five. So I whittled my list of six down to eight. So I need to <laughs> uh, be a little more cheesy. My number five, all right, I'll just do a couple of honorable mentions at the end. So okay. my number five uh, in terms of heavy airplay at the Domsky house is the Dave Brubeck Greatest Hits record. Yes. So Dave Brubeck, we don't have Dave Brubeck um, Time Out, which is the the record that has um, Take Five and um, things like that. So that's the classic record. And yet we do have Dave Brubeck's Greatest Hits, which came out in like 1960. Uh, and it has all of those songs on it, so it's yeah. um, it plus a couple other things, and it's I really think I have that. Yeah, it's a really good record. Uh, w- one Dave Brubeck is just kind of the perfect jazz music to have on, yep. uh, on a record. Like I have a bunch of other jazz records. I have a Love Supreme. I have uh, a Charles Mingus record uh, and a Thelonious Monk record and Miles Davis records and things like that. A bunch of a bunch of jazz records which are really fun, but some jazz records are so. Uh, there's so much going on that it's it kind of forces you to pay attention in a yep. way that is not always what you want. Like, uh, and whereas having a jazz record to just throw on to like, that is the perfect background music where it's, it's not unnoticeable, but it sets a tone. And Dave Brubeck does that perfectly because there's yeah. nothing Dave Brubeck does that is so challenging that it's distracting, but everything he does is interesting enough that it really, you kind of are noticing it. He messes with time signatures a lot, but he's very melodic. Um, Dave Brubeck was a piano player. Uh, he had a quartet um, with four other guys, and there was like, sax and drum and bass and, I think, trumpet. Um, but his famous one is Take Five, and Take Five, is you know it, it's playing right now. We've talked about it before uh, yeah. in the different ways people have, have sung it, but it's like the perfect chill jazz song. Yep. And so yeah. Yeah, Dave, Dave Brubeck's Greatest Hits is just a, a great record to put on.
0: Joe Morello is the drummer on that album and is yeah. one of my favorite drummers of all time. He's yeah. so, so good.
1: Well, and that and take five is specifically a drum feature. Like that, they wrote that yep. because they didn't have a drum feature, and it's pretty and simple. It's in
0: five four. Um, yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, hence, dun, 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 hence dun, dun, take dun. five. That's a great, great album, and I there there's an album on my list that I'm reasonably sure will show up in yours, and yeah. that was close. That was really close.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. So the, and that one, uh, the kids really like it too. So that's uh, these are all, again, heavy rotation records that yeah. everyone in the family gets real excited when they're on.
0: Number four, and I can't believe it's number four, but it it is both in terms of airplay and in terms of just liking the record. Um, but it is one of my favorite albums of all time. The Beatles' White Album. Oh, yeah. L- locks in number four. And this one, I am very proud to say, is an original from back in whatever year that came out, sixty. Yeah,
1: does it? Ha- and it has the number on it. Yep. Yeah, because they all have the the original pressings have number. The album itself doesn't say anything on the front. It just has right. the Beatles embossed on it, so it's yep. not printed on there. It's like, uh, it's like stamped into the white record. But then it also has a, a like a serial number. Yep. On it to say like what number of the printing it was. Yeah. And not to be collectors, it was basically. Their whole idea was that, oh, we just won't have anything on the cover. They weren't trying to be artistic. They just thought it would be funny uh, to have like a blank cover. And then people people lost their minds.
0: I heard this, and I I can't say this with certainty, though it makes sense, that this is their kind of garbage album. Like as they were writing songs that didn't have anywhere else to go, uh, this was where they just dumped. These are the leftovers from the Beatles. And if this is their leftovers... It's incredible. Uh, it's a double record, uh, so it takes you a good, healthy while to get through it. Um, oh, it's just so good. There's so yeah, much that good is, stuff on here.
1: I have that record too, and that's one of the few that I've actually I uh, paid. I think twenty dollars for it. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's. I love that record. Uh, that it's, was that's my favorite Beatles record yeah because uh, it was the first one i got like yeah. that that was it but it, i got it specifically because i was a kid trying to make the most out of my thing and i knew it was a double album and so I was like i'll oh, get a lot of songs yep and it's really even there you can tell uh i it's I, I definitely know that like george martin who's their producer always said i think that there's a really good album in there and i was really frustrated that they they the re, they made it a double album yeah because he thought it, it would have worked better as a single album and take some of the garbage songs out of there. But um, I really like it because you get the weird, goofy stuff. And it really was just like, they just recorded a bunch of stuff, and they're like, I don't know, just throw them in there too. Like, you can tell that they have stopped caring. But even when they stopped caring, they're still doing really interesting things.
0: Well, there's, uh, there's Like there's Honey all kinds Pie of, and, and stuff like oh that.
1: Gosh, yeah. It's just so weird.
0: And there's some neat little songwriting challenges in there. Uh, again, I don't know how urban Legendy this is, but there are two songs back-to-back. Um, where John had been writing a whole bunch of rock songs and Paul mm-hmm. had been writing all the love songs. Uh, so John sings a very uncharacteristic song called Julia. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, this is true. Which is he was a love trying song.
1: To, he was trying to write a Paul song. Yeah. So and John wrote it and said, This is what a this is what I think a Paul song sounds like. And, and then, then right Paul after came back. it yeah.
0: with Why don't we do it in the road, which is
1: yeah, yeah, I think that that's yeah. The yep. other one too, where Paul is unusual. Paul wrote "Helter Skelter." Yeah, and they had heard I think the Who was advertised as being the loudest band, and this is yep. before heavy metal or anything even close. To that hard rock was really a thing, and yep. the Who was known for just being this loud band. And they're like, we can write a loud song, and so they, and it was Paul writing a song that you would think John would have written, yeah, because it's so John-like, and the whole song "Helter Skelter," which has this weird. Backstory or like forward story yeah. with the Manson family and stuff, but Helter Skelter is actually just the name of a slide at like British fairs. Like it's a ride that at a British carnival that kids would go on. It's just a, a, a spiral slide. It's called Helter Skelter, and if you listen to the lyrics, it says, "When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. Then I get to the bottom. Then we go for a ride. Then I get yep. to the bottom, and then I see me again." Like it. Or then it's I get to the so top. It's so simple. Me again. It's really paul's lyrics especially at this point in the beatles he is not even trying like it no. is really just like say what you see paul and then write it down and then there you go uh yeah. and that song especially is about absolutely nothing it's just paul writing a fun song that is really really loud it's the beatles being as loud as they can and it's a pretty it's a pretty hard song yeah. and it but it took the manson family to make it seem like it was actually about anything it's not yeah. it's just about going it's on not. a slide when you're a little kid
0: that's, it can't be overstated most of the white album is about nothing it's the yes. Seinfeld oh. of rock and roll albums absolutely know, like, but then yeah. in the
1: midst of that you do get some really really beautiful like Blackbird yep oh it's my totally gosh totally bad said that's about um, uh, Martin Luther King yeah which is weird but that's what it was uh, uh, and Julia is this beautiful song about his mom about yep. John Lennon's mom uh, there's uh, Mother Nature's Son it's, uh, it's a great record
0: oh Dear Prudence yeah oh. Dear Prudence
1: it's good. Oh, it's a great. It's all good. Here Comes the Sun is on that one, right? No.
0: No, that comes on Abbey Road. Uh,
1: something? Something on there? No.
0: No, nope, that's one. Abbey Road too. What's the, Abbey what's Road the, is another really good album, by Abbey the way. Abbey
1: Road is great. That was uh, in my list. It's my in my list of 30. I don't think it's going to be on my list of five. Because yeah. Abbey Road is one that I came to late, but it's a really good record. It's a really good record, especially because uh, uh, She's So Heavy oh. ends, the, ends the side, and it goes on too long. Yep. Like it and it you could tell that they were almost I'm sure that they were just like, let's just fill up the rest of the side of the record with it. And yep. it just abruptly ends. And it goes on for like three minutes past when the song is done. It's uh it's it builds in this way that's really honest and then it just stops because the record yep. that side of the record's over. It's pretty great. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah, we'll talk more I about love the Beatles. Beatles at some point.
0: I right? love the Beatles. Yeah, they get their own episode
1: someday. Yeah. So that yeah, that's a really good one. My number four? Yeah, that was number four. four for you?
0: We're out four.
1: This one gets a lot of play, but not when kids are around. But it's yeah. still one of my favorite records. Barry this Manilow's. Is, Manilow's. The, it's Barry no. Manilow. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, this is, I've gotten, uh, I've tried to find, and I found most of them for a pretty good price, the The Monty Python records. So Monty mm-hmm. Python also did, they, they had a show and then they had a bunch of movies like uh, Meaning of Life and uh, Life of Brian, Holy Grail. Um, and they, and then they had the show. So they are these, this comedy troupe from the sixties made movies in the seventies. They're really funny guys. We talked about them a little bit, uh, just in terms of like, what's your favorite Python, but they also did records and their records are not just clips from the show. They're like separate things. So yeah. they did the show in the late sixties, early seventies, and then they did records after that. So they only did the show, I think for three years. That was flying and circus.
0: Was that the name? Monty Python's
1: yeah. flying circus. Yeah. And then they did some records in the seventies and they became famous in the U S through their records. And huh. because the show wasn't played here and then the show started getting played on like PBS and then people get like went crazy for them. But when people saw them in the U S cause they toured the U S cause they're really popular among college kids. Like people didn't know that they were a like comedy troupe in real life. They thought they just did records and their records had sketches and stuff, but they're specific to the sketch, to the records. They have a record called matching tie and handkerchief that is uh it's just it's it's got some great sketches on it and great it's just a really funny record uh there's this and it's it's perfect monty python stuff and that one of them there's a sketch on there uh just called cheese shop where john cleese uh who is the guy that everybody knows from monty python uh goes into a cheese shop and just orders cheese from michael palin uh and so the the shop owner and he just he just says, like, Hey I'm hungry for cheese, I'd like to get some cheese and he just starts listing off different kinds of cheese and everything he lists they don't have. And so he just and it's it's really it's just three minutes of Michael Palin saying these or uh, uh saying like do you have this? Do you have this? And it's like no sir just out. Nope. Uh, sorry we usually have it but it's already gone this way. And it's it becomes funnier because he is saying all of these different like French cheeses and like really pretentious names to cheeses and you get the joke like there's one joke to it where you realize Oh, they don't have any cheese in this cheese shop, but the fact that he keeps getting angrier and angrier <laughs> is really funny.
0: So he can go on playing, can he? Most certainly. Now then, some cheese, please, my good man. Certainly, sir. What would you like? Well, uh, how about a little Red Leicester? I'm afraid we're fresh out of Red Leicester, sir. Oh, no. Mind, uh, how are you on Tilt-It?
1: I'm afraid we never have that at the end of the week, so get it fresh on Monday.
0: tilt no matter. Well, stout yeoman, four ounces of cafilia if you please.
1: Ah, it's been on order, sir, for two weeks. It was expensive. It
0: this On well, my lucky day, is it? Uh, Bell Pesy? Eh? Sorry, sir. Red Windsor? Normally say yes.
1: Today the band broke down.
0: Ah. Stilton? Sorry. Emmental? No. Nope. Any Norwegian
1: Yalsburger a chance? No. Nope. Liptar? Nope. Lancashire? Nope. White Stilton? No. Nope. Danish Blue? No. Nope. Double Gloucester? No. Nope. Cheshire? Nope. Dorset Blue Vinny? Nope. Brie roquefort Rockerfall, Pon Salou, Savoy. Where again it's not really Davis, funny, West, but it's funny because right. it's not funny. Uh, but the thing that I love about this record in particular is that it's a three-sided record. What? Yeah. So, and that was the joke and they didn't advertise it. Michael, like the Monty Python would, were the classics of, we talked about this a long time ago about how I think jokes, I'm not a big fan of pranks, but I think if a prank is good enough that you don't have to be there to see it. Like that's the funniest ones. Yeah. Uh, And they were classic on jokes that were not. So when you get the record, both sides, like the, there's the sticker in the center of the record that tells you kind of what side it is. Both of the sides of the record have the exact same sticker on it. So they both say side A. So you don't know which side you're on. And they both say, and they don't even say, I don't even think they say Mighty Python. They say like Royal Philharmonic plays Beethoven or something like that. Uh, but so then good. on side B, so the way that a record works is that it's just this big spiral that goes all the way around. It's like one line that goes, spirals into the middle. So when you put the record in the groove, it just follows that groove all the way into the middle of the record. What they did was that this side has two interlocking spirals.
0: So depending on, so
1: you don't know, depending on where you drop the needle, it will follow. Now it makes the the side half as long as it should be. So instead of like a, well, it would be like a 30 minute side. It's like 15 minutes. But you can, so, it, and they, they didn't advertise it. They didn't say anything to anybody. It's just people would get it and they would listen to the second side and then they would listen to it again. And they realized like, wait a minute, all the sketches that I, didn't I hear different sketches last time? And That's you can listen incredible. to, you can keep dropping the record and keep landing on the same spot and, and not missing it and be like, am I crazy? When was that sketch? And I think the thing that I think the first like minutes of both of those spirals is the exact same. So you can't even <laughs> tell from the beginning, which one you <laughs> land in. That's uh, brilliant. Yeah. It's really, really funny. And it's, again, it's not really advertised on the, on the outside. Yeah. And it doesn't say, uh, I think eventually they said it was a three Saturday record, but they never explained it. Um, but it, so it's, it's that alone makes it a really fun record uh and have i had known about that but then when i actually found the record and was able to do it myself it is it's really uncanny because even knowing that it's there it's weird to like wait a minute because you can pick it up and then drop it right back down again you're in a different sketch like you think you're in the exact same location but it it fell into like side two part b instead of side two part a so yeah that i i have probably four or five different monty python records but that one is is really fun i can't quite That's listen great. to it the, the thing about monty python is that they are 90% rated G mm-hmm. and then 10% rated R like yeah. real suddenly. And so uh we have to be, I can't quite just listen to a full on record with the kids. I'll listen to little bits with it and I keep introducing them to it because the stuff that's the majority of Monty Python is so innocent and sweet that like it's perfect for a seven year old, 10 year old. And then yeah. all of a sudden there'll be like a naked lady walks by. <laughs> like, it's just like just enough Aww, that man. you can't, you can't yet yeah. Yeah, really ruins the uh, the appropriateness for general audiences kind of situation. I love that. I love a three sided record. I yeah, and like. that I mean, especially for records like that, experience doesn't work when they have it uh, on the CD or just in the DVD. They just have everything, but, right. so it does, you don't you don't even get the joke. Like you never could imagine it. So the record you have to do it that way, and it's really so funny. Great. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, weighing in at number three on the J side is a lovely record by the band U two called war mm. war is the record It's not their first record. i think this is their second it's the third record, record. is their third record okay yeah
1: because they had the first one is boy yeah and then they have uh october yes because it's got gloria on it that's the only song the only really like really good song on that one and then war war is the one where it all comes together
0: yeah war is a fantastic album um, uh, starts with sunday oh bloody sunday uh which uh, I don't know why. I think if you play guitar, everybody asks you if you know how to play Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. And if you're a drummer, everybody asks you if you know how to play Sunday Bloody Sunday.
1: Well, they should because it's so great. It's great. A, it's oh, not
0: it. really complicated. Like, wait, let me pull up the track list because there are so many good... The War
1: is like a greatest hits record.
0: It is, for, and it's not. Years, yeah. So, like, even the B-sides are really, really good. Um, yeah. So, it has Sunday Blaze Sunday, uh, which kicks things off. And here we go. Pulling it up. Seconds is a song that uh, doesn't get a whole lot of airplay, but it's really one of my favorites. Uh, it has the full version of New Year's Day. Uh, oh, I
1: love New Year's Day is great.
0: That's a great song. Uh, two hearts beat as one. I don't remember if that ever made it as a single off of that or not. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but it's good. It's kind of a, a um, single like the 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 whole album ends though with one of my favorite YouTube's U two songs, uh, forty. Yeah. Based off of Psalm forty. Well, not even based off of. Just directly singing Psalm forty. Yeah. Uh, which it's just a beautiful rendering of that song it's an awesome song it's been covered a million times by worship leaders all over the place but it's it's a really solid uh, solid song and a great way to end that particular
1: album yeah they they ended their um, their live shows with that for the longest time
0: Yeah. so yeah that's a good one and I I, I, I didn't really love old U2 until I came across that album I was way more into the stuff that was popular when I was a kid. So like the, well, pop, we won't talk about that. But uh, hmm. All That You Can't Leave Behind and Vertigo and all those songs,
1: stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I like pop. I think pop's a pretty good record. <laughs> I got a lot to say about U2 at some point. Yeah. I don't, uh, for for not really caring about U2, like I don't listen to U2 all that much, but I do really like You 2 And every once in a while I'll go through phases where like, I want to listen to a lot of U2. Yeah. And then I'll listen to... Like an album and a half, and i will be like, "That's enough." <laughs> and I don't listen to you 2 again for a I'm while. Satisfied, but they're just—they're a, a compelling band to me. Yes, I think that they, uh, there aren't too many bands who have consistently done music that was relevant, right, on such a high level for such a long time. Yeah, uh, and and it's pretty quality music. And they're a rock band. Like that's yes. the, the thing that we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about like kind of rock music is not the main um, aspect of of pop music anymore. No. And uh, U2 has always wanted to be a popular band. Like, that's kind of what they are always shooting for. It's why it takes forever to do their records. But they have always been a rock band, and I think that's really cool. And even pop, which is them going more electronica, still has, like, is, is has a rock riff to it. Yeah. So that they, um, yeah. And and War is a is a pretty great record. Yeah. It comes right before The Unforgettable Fire, which is kind of their transition into... Um, more of the jangly stuff and then the Joshua Tree which is like yeah, I think the pinnacle of U2
0: that's peak U2 at the yeah, Joshua yeah. Tree
1: okay my number three so this is one that's in this defines the heavy rotation uh, axiom of this so it's definitely not one of my best records Yeah, but it is in very heavy rotation for the Domsky Family Kids on a level that I think is hilarious like I kind of did it as a joke at first <laughs> But now they keep asking for it. Uh, we have a record called Chipmunk Rock. Yes, and it was a tape that I had when I was a kid. So this is Alvin and the Chipmunks from the '80s. So not the dumb Alvin and the Chipmunks movie oh. that they made. As though the the cartoons are not dumb, but they are. They're still dumb, but on a less it's a more, more pure era. <laughs> when, so Alvin <laughs> and the Chipmunks more was a Saturday morning dumb. Yeah. Exactly. It was more. It was a Saturday morning show. Uh, the, I mean, they had the Chipmunks in the '60s, and they sang the Christmas song, the Christmas Christmas yeah. time is near. That's a that written for that. When this guy just realized, like, oh, I can just speed up the the audio, and it sounds like Chipmunks. Like that, there was a novelty record. But in the '80s, they turned it into a Saturday morning cartoon show that was like a juggernaut for like five or six years. Yeah, so it, it, had, like,
0: it had some staying power.
1: Yeah, it's so like '87 through like '92. Uh, was it was a it was a really it was a centerpiece of what I was watching on uh, on Saturday morning cartoons and it was great and you can't really find it because they would always sing popular songs right it. so it, so for the rights for it to be replayed now it's really you can't find it it's not even it's really hard to find on even like YouTube and stuff but this was a record that came out right before the start of that so this was like, they ha- and it's always been managed by the same guy. So, the, the guy who came, came up with it, his son had managed it from the 80s on. Okay. Um, and it has the, the songs on this. And so, I had this tape that was that I got for Christmas when I was like eight years old. It was a cassette tape. My sister got the Chipmunks Christmas tape, and I got the Chipmunks rock tape. Oh, no, I think it's the other way around. I got the Christmas one, she got the rock one, but we both listen to it all the time. Here are the songs sung by. The chipmunks. Yes. It is Betty Davis Eyes. It tells you the era this is. <laughs> Betty Davis Eyes, Jesse's Girl. Take oh. a chance on me. Hit me with your best shot. Yes. Leader of the Pack. Queen of uh Queen of Hearts. Whip it. Heartbreaker. Hold on Tight and Losing You. Losing You is the only one that is an original song. All the other ones. So like Hold on Tight is an ELO song. Heartbreaker is Pat Benatar. Whip It is Devo. Queen of Hearts is Juice Newton uh leader of the pack is 1960s song by the shirelles i think or should, something like that uh hit me with your best shot is also pat benatar take a chance on me is abba uh jesse's girl is rick springfield at uh, betty davis is kim Carnes. i every single song on this record i heard for the very first time as a wow. child yeah because i was eight yeah and so this is and i listen to it all the time um and <laughs> so I fell in love with these songs and when I heard them in real life I was like whoa that's the chipmunk song and so I found so I had this tape that I listened to all the time when I was looking. I found the record in the dollar band I was so excited I was like hey I used to listen to this all the time I put it on Adrian um, kind of uh, put up with it because <laughs> I was like, so she's like <laughs> right, tolerated it I don't it. really yeah. want to listen to this too much but, but the kids fell in love with it and they just kept asking for it they're like let's listen to chipmunk's rock I was like yeah let's do it <laughs> but I realized like uh, it would be great if we just had a record with the actual songs of these on it, but uh, these ones are are really... Good. And it, it's a really well-done record. Again, it was right... They kind of have, had nailed the system. It was right before the cartoon started. They kind of got it all together. Um, but it's very much a novelty record and very much something that exists as a record. Another big one that they keep asking for is we have a record called Mickey Mouse Disco. Yes. <laughs> that is... Songs, uh, it's the Disney record that they put out in the '70s. That's all disco songs, but it's really good. <laughs> so the kids would listen. Ask for that one a lot of times too. And that was another one that Adrian only has a little bit of patience for. So we yeah. kind of. If Adrian was at work, we'd be like, let's all listen to disco. You know,
0: <laughs> we can get away with it now. It's Chipmunk Rock.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, number two. Number two. This is the one
0: I thought we would share. Uh, it hasn't popped up on yours, but it, we we at least have a very unique experience together, you and I, around this record. Chill, dog. Uh, this is A Love Supreme by John yep. Coltrane.
1: I figured that would be in your list. Yeah.
0: Another one I searched for diligently to try and get an original, and you can't. They're yeah. just not, not out Not for, there.
1: like, less than $500 or yeah. something like
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, So it's a repress, but it's this album is just start to finish fantastic. Hmm. Um, and you
1: can get a repress for, like, $14. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's not expensive for the represses. And I I mean again, for what these records are, unless you're a super audiophile, I think the the most of the represses are fine. Yeah. The the one I have a repress of the blue album by Weezer and the mix is weird. Like that's the only one that I've gotten where it's like, oh yeah. this doesn't really sound as good as I want it to. Truth
0: be told, the represses, especially brand new ones, are a lot better. They're on heavier vinyl. Yeah. Um yep. and they hold up a lot better. Um, yep. so yeah, this one it's a pretty solid uh piece of vinyl, but uh, Love Supreme moves in four movements, uh, and it's just outstanding. The journey it takes you so on. So
1: there's a, a jazz record. Yep. Coltrane's a, a saxophonist. Yep, saxophonist.
0: And he has his own church in San Francisco. Uh, if you're ever well, in. Well, he doesn't. There's yeah. one <laughs> named after him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. We we went to the St. John Coltrane. Orthodox Church, Black Orthodox Church in San Francisco. It was a very interesting experience. Yep. Uh, It was really neat. It was basically these people had a real spiritual experience around going to a John Coltrane concert in the 60s. Yep. Uh, I think that that spiritual experience probably included some uh, spiritual enhancement, accelerant, spiritual enhancement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But because of that, they they got the, the sense that god was speaking through the music of john coltrane mm-hmm. the god of abraham like the yeah. the the judeo-christian god um and to a degree they thought jesus was or that that uh, coltrane was god incarnate yep uh not jesus but a second god incarnate a second incarnation of god which is a little blasphemous and weird yeah and the, the, uh, the bishop of the church kind of pushed back and said, no, you can't say that. And they're like, okay, agree to disagree, but we'll take it as a saint. Yeah. Uh, so the, and then from that, um, for our class, we did a project of listening to the music of, uh, taking that practice as a spiritual practice that I did for a project and I asked Jay to help participate in it. And so we listened to the first two movements of, Love, of A Love Supreme and then two other songs Basically, as prayer. Yeah, uh, we talked about prayer last week. That kind of just opening yourself up as meditative prayer. Uh, it was an interesting experience. It is actually, um, I have not been able to listen to a Love Supreme since that. Yeah, which has been weird. It's yeah. been burned I, I, it has been burnt out on it. Yeah, it kind of. Yeah, it soured me on it a little bit just because of Love Supreme. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like it's it's very chaotic and it's great. Uh, and I I have loved it uh, for a while, but listening to it. Uh, repeatedly for a couple weeks. Takes Maybe. it out of you. I, I need a break from it. <laughs> yeah. now, I will say, <laughs> it's just, this it's record, so, unlike, so chaotic.
0: unlike the rest of my records, this one has a time. This uh, yeah. this record is best done in the morning. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know why this is true. Uh, but this is the record, if you come down to the office early in the morning with a cup of coffee, uh, and, and like first thing in the morning is when Love Supreme really works. I don't know why it doesn't work yeah. at night as well for me but it just seems to work better in the mornings so I don't know that's a yeah. weird j to be sure
1: that makes sense that makes sense yeah uh, I usually only listen to the first side uh, which is interesting the second side is so powerful yeah. yeah and the second side is more chill yes so I need to listen have you heard there's a video I'll, if I remember I'll put a link to it where uh, the second um, I think it's called Psalm yeah the last the last track is just called Psalm uh, so yeah. Yeah. Or prayer.
0: Looking it up, if you read the liner notes, it is you know f- he is not God incarnate, but it is a very spiritual
1: yeah. album. Oh, very much. Yeah, he was, he was Christian and then became kind of universalist, and uh, it, it's a really he's a really 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 interesting guy, really great guy. So yeah, I don't, I don't I don't have anything but good stuff to say about this record. I just got real tired of it after yeah, uh, really listening to it too much. The four movements um, are
0: acknowledgment, resolution, pursuance, and psalm.
1: Yeah. So psalm, I guess. He wrote kind of a poem, but basically just lyrics to God, like a prayer to God, and then he plays those words. Yeah. So his and and I the video matches with the words, and you can hear he's just playing the rhythm of the words. So it's like I uh, thank you, God, and it was
2: just go
1: like that, like it's really, really. To, you wouldn't be able to pick it up. Like you're not saying the words through the saxophone, but you can hear it. You can hear the rhythm of the of the words, if you're reading the words alongside. So I'll I'll try to post that. Someone just gave me that uh, this past week, and it was it was awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, that's a great record, and it is it is a record that I have, so it is on my list. But I think because of my recent experience with it, I'm, yeah, it's it's on low rotation right now. <laughs> <Dossy> <laughs> okay, my number two. Uh, some might say this is a novelty record. I do not. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic record. I have two different records by this artist, but the the one that gets the most play is "Dare to Be Stupid" by Weird Al Yankovic.
0: Yes, no, that's not a novelty uh, album. No, 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 that's an we album. We need to do.
1: I, I long ago said we need to do a Weird Al record and I or episode, and I still think we should. Yeah. So I won't go into it too much, but it's just it's a great it's a great record. Somebody gave me a tape of this when I was a kid. When I'm I was sorry. like probably six or seven right around the, so i had this in my chipmunk tape and uh <laughs> ready to conquer that. the world yeah. yep yep um it is just it's a great record and the uh, the 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 talent of weird Al is just overwhelming like he is uh he he gets played with novelty acts and, the, and that's a point like he's always all his songs are jokes yep but they are—they show a level of lyricism and comedy and brilliance that is just overwhelming. And he is just such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so we listen to those. We listen to, so I have um, uh, Dare to Be Stupid, which I found in a dollar bin one time, and I was so excited, and it was just the cover. Like, there was no, no record inside of it, and it was so sad. Aww. I almost bought just the cover to hang on the wall. <laughs> uh, but then I found it again at a used record store. and I think I paid $10 for it. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I mean, it's best $10 ever. I was going to say, it's worth great, every penny. Yeah. And then I found, the other one I have by him is Poco Party, <laughs> which is the, the, the album. It's, I think it's two albums later. It's a really, it's a good record too. All of his records are really good. Uh, but yeah, the kids love it. Everybody loves it. It's a good good time. So good. Weird Al.
0: All right, the number one for Jay, the drum roll. This is not, again, playing by the rules as a musician I'm shocked this is number one but it consistently is uh, the record I turn to most whenever I want to just put on a record and listen it is the creatively titled Paul Simon by the author Paul Simon
1: Uh, oh my
0: his first solo record after leaving Simon and Garfunkel
1: so it's like uh, me and Julia down by the schoolyard yeah it's the one where he's got the giant parka on yeah Yep, and the. I like that all the all the Simon records are, are are pictures of him being very self conscious about the fact that he's balding. Yes, like he's always wearing <laughs> yeah. hats or, or things like that. Yeah, he's aware. Uh, he knows what's going on. Yeah, he's aware, and he doesn't want you to know. Yeah, right. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> that is so accurate. Yeah, again, yeah, I but, think what makes a good record is there's the hits. Uh, yeah. Mother and Child Reunion is on this record. It's oh, a great song. such a great record.
1: Um, you know where he got the title for that? No. So the Mother and Child Reunion is actually the name of a, a dish in an Asian restaurant <laughs> where you have chicken and egg mixed in together. It's so terrible what you <laughs> <to> think about <laughs> that means. Oh. So he was just there and he's like, what's the Mother and Child Reunion dish? That was like, yeah, like if you go to an Asian restaurant and they have the like pictures of them up there. He's yeah. like, Mother and Child Reunion He's like, oh, yeah, it's chicken and egg. And he was like, ugh. Yeah, no, <laughs> so I don't like the name of that. But he thought, that's a great title. Yeah. Like it sounds so good. So he turned it into... Uh, Oh. a <laughs> great song a reggae song I really like how uh, Paul Simon some may say that Paul Simon uh, appropriates different musical cultures I would say that he honors different musical yes. cultures because he usually gets the the uh, artists of that genre yeah. to be part of it but um, like Mother and Child Reunion is, is definitely a reggae song uh, and it's really well done it's a great song
0: uh, so yeah it has Mother and Child Reunion it has me and Julio down by the schoolyard Um, It's such a great song. It's such a good song. Uh, This one has Uh, some good uh, B-sides that I really like. There's a tune called Duncan. Um, Yeah. uh, Run That Body Down
1: is really good. Uh, Paul Simon is a great song. Oh, my
0: gosh. One of the best. Really, really
1: good. So, yeah. That's a really good record. I think I have that record. I have definitely almost gotten it a couple times if I don't have it, but I'm pretty sure I have it. It's, again, it's... If I'm coming
0: down here to read or something like that, and like I like, I need to put a record on. That's the one I reach for, because um, I think it's different enough. Each song is a little bit. It's not all one genre. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But it all holds together really well, and again, just flows really well from one side to the other. Um, yeah, it's a really good
1: record. That is a really good record. I like yeah. that a lot. It's so mine. My number one is actually. It's a big step away from that. So I'm glad that you went with. Uh, Paul Simon for years mine is uh it's a it's an album from the 80s it's it's an artist that was kind of like had fallen down and this was like a comeback record for the artist it's uh an album called Graceland by Paul Simon <laughs>
0: no way
1: yep, yeah yep, yep what song uh, when you started to say Paul Simon I was like are you gonna say Graceland <laughs> no
0: that would have been great though all right wait. Uh, so
1: I got what? graceland proper in the dollar that in the dollar bin and that was my and it's a, it's a flawless record in that the records like does not have any scratches on it or anything. Yeah. I cannot believe, I think it was mispriced in the dollar <laughs> bin. I can't believe it. Graceland is, is I think a perfect record. Oh. Um, it is. So Paul Simon had had a couple records that went nowhere and then did a Broadway show that, or no, did, made a movie called One Trick Pony mm-hmm. that made no money. <laughs> and so he had had two albums in a row that tanked and thought he was pretty much done. He just went through a divorce from Princess Leia. Uh, he was married to Carrie Fisher. And then um, he, someone had given him a tape uh, of music from South Africa and specifically a song called Gum Boots." And he was really into like this kind of South African rock sound. And he's like, I wanna go, I wanna go spend time with them. So he w- goes down there for a few weeks and just records with a bunch of South African artists and comes out of that and then he goes and then there's a couple other albums like songs on the record where he goes to like a zydeco band uh, he, he has mixes a bunch of different genres in this and people got really mad at him because this was during the the height of apartheid hmm. um, which is a terrible thing that South Africa was doing and it, so a lot of artists were boycotting South Africa to try to um, end apartheid which did end up working the boycott was a really smart way to end this government apartheid uh but he got flack for going in the midst of the apartheid to work with people but he said i wasn't going there to perform i was going there to like record with these artists that weren't getting noticed otherwise um and there's this really interesting documentary that, that called under african skies which explains the whole making of it Every song on this, and, and it's again, it's one that my mom had when I was a kid, so I grew up listening to it a lot. It's just a great record. This is where You Can Call Me Owl is on this record, but pretty much every song, Boy in the Bubble, Graceland, I Know What I Know, "Gum Boots," Diamond on the River Shoes, You Can Call Me Out, Under African Skies, Homeless, Crazy Love, too. Uh, that was your, mo- like, there, there are um, a couple, like, Stone Cold Hits on it, yep. but really every track on the album just flows really well. It's a great record to put on and just enjoy. And so we will put it on often um, just as kind of a default record to just have on. Because, again, it, it doesn't destroy a mood. It just amplifies whatever mood's going on. Yeah, It's a good record to have on in the background. It's a good record to listen to. It's very singable. Um, and it, it has kind of this very world music feel to it because there's so many different uh, aspects of things going on in it. It's dur- during the beginning of 80s production that's really lush, but not overwhelming yet. Uh, and so it's just this, this, I love it. It's just a great record. And it really defines that. Put the record on, enjoy the enjoy side one, put on side two, like get excited about side two. It's, it's just a great, it's a great album. Uh, and it's, it's probably my top go-to record in terms of just wanting to throw something on.
0: Well, okay, so I want to be very clear. Uh, we were independent in our lists. Very independent. Uh, we yeah. did not consult, and I think it is undeniable at this point that Paul Simon is the king of vinyl. Uh, that if we both <laughs> universally agreed that
1: our Paul Simon records were at the top of our lists. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, take thirty seconds to tell you the other ones that I had written down. Yeah. So the first are our new records. So these are records that we bought first run off of uh, artists who are still touring. We have a record called Glow by a band called Royal Teeth, which is great. A record called Creatures by a band called Sweet Crew, they're from uh New Orleans that are fantastic. Uh Caroline Rose's record Loner, which is great. They might be giants record Flood, which I just got recently, it's great. Uh Beatles Abbey Road, uh Oh, man, this Walt Disney World official cast album from 1980, which is just fantastic. It's just background music from Walt Disney World. Nice. Uh, A record called Free to Be You and Me, which I think I talked about briefly before. It's a record my my, – that's one that came from that stack of 20 that I had been carrying around with me forever uh, that my aunt got for us when I was a little kid. It's basically an album for kids about feminism from the 70s it's, it's fantastic it has like a lot of 70s stars like marlo thomas and alan alda and uh, diana ross singing about how girls are people too um the the first album by the cars just called the cars yep which Rick casick said later we should just call that album greatest hits because <laughs> it had like it's nine tracks and i think eight of them are songs that you know by heart uh Oh, this Sam Cooke "Greatest of" that's just a great record. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one is a great oh, record. Oh yeah, uh, Cat Stevens "T for the Tillerman" another one we listen to a lot. Um, a, we have a bunch of big band records. That's kind of what make up a bulk of those dollar bin purchases. But they are they are fantastic, and my kids really like them. They're just good to have them on the background. Uh, Cindy Lopper she's she's so unusual. The kids are always asking for that. Uh, a, a John Denver live John Denver record. Yeah, it just I grew up with it when I was a kid, and it's just super great uh huey lewis sports that's a great huey lewis in the news uh uh james taylor greatest hits another good one uh i have the uh stevie wonder songs in the key of life it is a fantastic record it's a double record and it the one i the copy i have only has one of the records so i only have (laughs) half of the album (laughs) uh which is in that weird thing where it's got side one and side four Uh because they put side two and three on one record uh, but it's really good. And also Thriller. Yeah. I have five copies of Thriller. It's so great. I still don't know really what if it's okay to list it again, but it, I, it's so great. It's one of those ones uh, that
0: I want to find in the wild. Um, I don't know why yeah. I do that to myself. Like, I want to find... I don't want to go out and buy it. I want to find it somewhere. Yeah, it's a, around. because
1: there's so many of them. It's real. It's pretty easy to find thriller. Yeah. If you ever want it, I legitimately have four copies of it because every time <laughs> I find a copy in the dollar bin, I buy it. Yeah. Because uh, I, I just buy it for gifts for people. The other one that was almost in my list was uh, I have a couple of records by this guy Iceout Tomita, who is a Japanese electronic artist from the '80s, and it's like early like Moog stuff and like electronic like programming and stuff like it's really really interesting and uh he did mazorski's pictures at a at a exhibition which is this classical piece that you would know if you heard it before yeah a, uh, and he did it all on synthesizers and mode um things and it's really really good uh he has another one he, where he does the planets by holst oh nice all in synthesizers is really really good but it's super weird like that it's it's very niche because it's electronica japanese electronica from the 80s but i love it nice. tomita I would say a couple
0: more of my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah,
1: go for it. The Civil Wars. Um,
0: oh yeah, that's a great. That's a great record. I forgot I had that record until I cleaned up the other day and listened to it, and it is just fantastic.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, for, it's a, it, just a guy and a girl singing. Yeah,
0: and they're all super sad songs. Uh, my one friend was yeah. like, "Isn't that a little depressing <laughs>
1: yeah. for these days?" So I was like,
0: "Yeah, I'm okay with it though." Uh, yeah.
1: And then it's like watching the leftovers. And then uh, you mentioned Big
0: Band. It reminded me. I have there's this guy Maynard Ferguson. Uh, yeah, Nina Ferguson. A trumpet player uh, who is just outrageously skilled, um, but listened to him a lot growing up. So I've been going back and finding all the cassettes my dad had when we were growing up mm. and rebuying them on vinyl. Nice. Um, it's just really, really good. Really, really good. Yeah. Oh, this is a good episode.
1: I had fun with this. This is. Well, and I think that the the whole connection of this to um, to, to where is God in this? Is the sense that it it re- records require presence. Yes, they require they are they encourage communal listening that you would listen with people that it would it would bring you and even when you listen by yourself you still are kind of present in the music. Yeah. Um, it it makes you slow down a little bit. It also they can be something that you can appreciate on your own, but they also are really conducive to if you have like uh, like a lot of times we'll put on a record during dinner or when we're just hanging out and we need to turn the TV off. Uh, like it's um, it's a way to be together and kind of share this yeah. thing. And I really am a big proponent of just having music on all the time for the kids. Yeah. I mean, not that there's no silence, but the, trying to expose them to as many different kinds of music as possible uh, and just curating that. And it's really, it's a, records are a great way to do that because you can't skip stuff and everybody knows like you can't say, okay, can we, can you put this one in the queue? Can you do this? Yeah. It's like, nope. we, this we is just kind of it out it out. for this whole record. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think, you know, I, I, I hesitate to make everything about the quarantine and, and life as we have it right now. But even in this, like people, you know, at the beginning of quarantine, everybody kept joking like, Oh, I've got tons of time on my hands. I got, da, da, da. you don't really, uh, no. without a intentional practice of being present and slowing down. Like, we will fill the space with busyness uh, yeah. of one stripe or another. Um, you and I were even talking to you on text the other day, like how tired we are at the end of days. Cause it turns oh, out yeah. we're, we're actually doing a lot. Um, yeah. We're not going I'm to the so office much more tired anymore now
1: than a normal, yeah. normal situation.
0: <laughs> but, but so like that presence and sitting still and even making, listening to records of prayerful practice, like that's a discipline um, yeah. to actually carve out the space. Um, Requires an intentionality to it, like that. Even being quarantined at home can't provide you. Um, yeah, you need to well, to it, seek
1: it out. And the practice of listening to the record, because every one of these records I can access on Spotify. Yeah. Except for the Chipmunks record, that's the only one that's not <laughs> not there. But I think I can find it on YouTube or something yeah. like that. Like there, it's we live in a world now that almost everything is accessible in terms of being able to hear it. Um, but there is something different. And especially I have a bunch of records that, that I definitely have easy copy, like the blue album, I intentionally, and and flood, I just got both of those in the last year. I bought them as repressings because they're just, I would like to spend time with that record in a way that if I just put it on Spotify through the speakers, I'm not gonna be paying attention to it. Like there's just the fact that I can switch, that I can skip stuff really quickly, or I can repeat or I can pause without any problem makes me less connected to what's going on. But by having a record there by having to physically put it on the thing, to physically put the needle down and then if I want to stop it, I have to go over to it and stop it. I have to uh, it, I have to flip it at one point like that that physical action, I mean, this gets back to what we were talking about last week that prayer, like if prayer is not connection to action, then you're not really experiencing it right. And in a sense, in listening to music, we have this privilege of accessibility with all this kind of music. And if we can connect it to an action, then it has more meaning I'm always surprised by when I mow the lawn, listening to music or audiobooks or things like that, that oftentimes when I'm going to mow the lawn again, I will think of that. Like maybe two months ago, I listened to this particular podcast when I was mowing the lawn and I'll get to that part of my yard with the lawnmower a month later and think, Oh yeah. Remember that thing about economics that I learned when I was right here, like just connecting it to the action. Um, there is something psychological about physically being present in an experience that you are mentally uh, experiencing that when you can connect it to action, it has, uh, your body stores it, your brain stores it in a different place yeah. and you experience it differently. And that's why, I mean, prayer, it, the, the physical act of, of kneeling or bowing or, or things like that does connect it more. And we have the opportunity to be present, not just with people, but in the things that we are doing and records really are a classic way of, of identifying that. And if we could take that attitude of listening to records into the way we connect with God, um, boy, we would be
0: a whole, whole different place. A lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Man, good stuff. So if you're on the Twitter machines, uh, rough, the pastor, roughing the pastor on Instagram, this feels like a very Instagram heavy challenge. Oh yeah. Uh, Or the new uh, Facebook page. Hop on the Facebook group. Uh, Microsoft is trying to convince me to update Word right now, and this feels like (laughs) the worst (laughs) time to be doing this.
1: Uh, So So here's the Instagram challenges. Uh, Give us some pictures of your vinyl records. Yes. If you have some records, your favorite records. Even if you only have one or two, just take a picture of them, uh, put them on there. Uh, you can do that on on Twitter. Share some of your records. We'll, we will. Uh, let's take a picture. We'll take a picture of each of our top five. Yeah. And uh, we'll put them up there. And um, I'll take a picture of some of the extra bonus ones and, and especially the good artwork of different things. And uh, this is yeah the one of the best experiences of those records is really being able to look at the artwork and appreciate what's going on. And even like a band like um, Journey oh. was it was a band. Whereas, like, I'm always like, eh, about their records, yeah. But their their artwork on them was always really compelling. It's like space battles and stuff. Like, they were super nerds, yeah, uh, who were in this rock band. Um, case in point, they're on the on the soundtrack to Tron. Like that, <laughs> that gives you an idea of kind of who Journey, yeah. Uh, and I was like, again, I'm like, eh, about Journey, but their their albums are really, really. The artwork is just compelling, yeah. Uh, and we miss that in this era of digital music that. There's still artwork to put out there, but it's kind of superfluous because you may see it just come up, but you aren't staring at your screen while you're listening to the song. And even if you are, it's only like an inch big. Yeah. Whereas this is a, a foot square that you have in your hand that you can examine while you're listening to this record.
0: So good. Such a good experience all around. Mm-hmm.
1: Anything to plug this week? I'll, I'll
0: point you back to the, the Worship Jam Friday night, 6 p.m. Uh, I'll be yep, there again. Yep. Uh, until Until this is done going to keep jamming.
1: Yeah, I would like to plug uh watch the movie Parasite. It's on Hulu. Uh it's available there. All the the movie Parasite available on Hulu right now. The movie Parasite, the movie Honeyland, which is a documentary about bees. And uh, the, the movie Portrait of a Woman on Fire. Mm. Uh, all very interesting and beautiful and compelling movies that are now available for we're free if you have, have a Hulu subscription. So I watch you, those.
0: I'm going to watch. Uh, this might betray when we're recording this, but I get advertisements for Mrs. America on oh, yeah. everything yeah, yeah. I'm watching. So I think I have to watch has that. Has
1: that come out yet? I don't think it has come out I yet. don't know. Well, I mean, it certainly has. By the time this, <laughs> this, this thing's going on, all right. Do you know about Do you know about that lady, Phyllis Schlafly? About her in real life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so, kind of, goodness. kind of wild. She's terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, but that seems like a really interesting. It's Kate Blanchett is playing her. The ads for it have been really good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Sarah Polson's in it. A couple other people.
1: Yep. We also spent some time going back through the office. We went uh-huh. back. I think we went through first seven episodes or seven seasons. Um, and then we kind of bailed out once, basically once you get to Jim and Pam's wedding, that's when it's like, no, no, thank you. Like I'm kind of done. They get a little too annoying. Uh, and that's when we dipped out the first time we went back through a couple of years ago and watched the whole thing to the end. And actually the, you get through some annoying stuff and then the later episodes are, are actually really good. Uh, but you have to go through some obnoxious stuff that is just overwhelming. Uh, and, uh, so it was a nice run back through but once we got to the wedding we, we both kind of agreed like I think we're done Yeah, I think we, don't we were going to watch until Steve Carell left but he leaves uh, maybe half a season after the wedding and we, we got to the wedding and I remember like oh yeah I don't yeah, like all of the actors all of the non-regular actors in the wedding episode are really don't get the vibe of how to do this show and it's really annoying the writing gets a little more everyone in the show gets more annoying Yeah, And then they they bring in some people like James Spader's annoying on the show. Catherine Tate comes on. She's really good. Uh, A lot better than she is on Doctor Who, which I don't really like her on Doctor Who. Oh, man. My kids are like all in on Doctor Who. That's been a really exciting thing.
0: I still have not seen a single episode of Doctor Who in my life. Oh, it's so
1: good. It's so good. I used to watch it when I was a kid on PBS, like the old, old episodes. Uh, And... Then when it came back out, we were we jumped. I was right on it. Like I was really excited because I was like, they're doing Doctor Who again. So Adrian and I watched it um, right as soon as the Christopher Eccleston episodes came. And then we met him when we were in Los Angeles. We just happened to run into him at a uh, like a British bar in the morning in Santa Monica because he was there filming G.I. Joe. Oh, boy. The movie. Because <laughs> I was Please. like, what are you here for? He's like, I'm filming a movie called G.I. Joe. Do you know about G.I. Joe? He's like, yes, that'll be amazing. And boy, it wasn't. It was not. I made it about 20 minutes into that movie, and I was like, nope, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> uh, but we met him, and that was, we were so excited. And then David Tennant became a doctor, and we got really big. Um, but uh, our kids are now at the right age that I thought I'd try it out, and we went. And it's nice because the Christopher Eccleston shows are a little bit cheesy because before they got a budget, but they're still really good. Yeah. And they're like all in. We're like halfway through the first David Tennant season. Man. that's been our quarantine watch as a family, as Doctor Who. I'll, been, I'll get to it's work been everything on everything I've ever dreamed for. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been Tyler.
0: I've been Jay, and this has been hey Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. Pastor.
1: All right, we'll see you next week, everybody.
0: Bye, friends.
1: Bye, bye.